Hi, and welcome to the Beyond the Pulpit podcast. My name is George Strunk, and I'm the senior pastor at Christ Church United Methodist in Louisville, Kentucky. In this new podcast, we hope to bring you inspiring stories, short devotionals, and information on topics you have told us you want to know more about. We begin with three episodes on the special session of the General Conference of the United Methodist Church that will convene February of 2019. I invited three delegates from the Kentucky Conference to join me in this conversation. In this episode, we get to know the delegates and what their roles are, and we learn about the General Conference and the role it plays in the United Methodist Church. In two future episodes, we will explore the purpose of the special session in 2019, the work of the Commission on the Way Forward, how delegates are preparing, and potential implications of decisions made at the special session. Let's get started. I'm with the Reverend Dr. Gene Hawkshurst and Reverend Tom Grebe and Miss Linda King, who represent three of the ten total members of the delegation from Kentucky that will be attending and voting at this uh, special called session. They've each graciously agreed to be a part of this conversation. Thank each one of you very much for arranging your schedules so you could be a part of this conversation to help educate the people who are Methodist in our care. So let's get started. Uh, why don't we start by having you introduce yourself and letting people get to know your voice and your name together. Tell your listeners your name and uh, where you are currently serving. And Linda, in your case, maybe where you're attending, where you have attended, and how long you've served as a delegate to the General Conference. Well, I'm Tom, Tom Grebe. Uh, I am uh, most recently serving at uh, St. John United Methodist uh, in uh, Prospect just uh, over the Oldham County line outside of uh, East Jefferson County on the Highway 42 corridor. I've been there uh, just the past couple of months, so I was uh, assigned there this, uh, at this session of uh, annual conference. Most previously, I'd been, uh, been at Centenary Church in uh, Lexington. I'd been there nine years uh, previous to that uh, at St. Paul uh, United Methodist in uh, Louisville in the Highlands. And then uh, immediately before that in uh, uh, Owensboro at Settle Memorial. I've been uh, a delegate to uh, the General Conference uh, six times. So this uh, special session would be the seventh time that I've been a part of uh, General Conference. And it's always been, uh, always been a deep honor to do that and uh, uh, always been uh, a, a challenge uh, been an important part of uh, life and ministry for me. I'm Jean Hawkshurst. I um, am an elder also in the Kentucky Annual Conference. I have served three congregations, one uh, Fairview down in Bowling Green, and then I served as associate at Christ Church for several years. Then I was appointed to Fourth Avenue in downtown Louisville. And then I was appointed as the Frankfurt District Superintendent. And now for the last three and a half years, my appointment has been with the Council of Bishops as ecumenical staff officer and leadership development coordinator for them. So, and I also am very happy to be here. My name is Linda Underwood King, and I attend Christ Church United Methodist. I've been a a delegate to three general conferences, so the one in February will be my fourth experience as a United Methodist layperson representing the United Methodist uh, of our conference. Um, I was married to Reverend Carmen King for 43 years, and uh, 
through that experience, uh, I um, experienced large and small churches. And when he was a district superintendent, churches throughout the state that were large and small and began to love the people and see the connectionalism and the strength that the United Methodists have. So when he retired, I decided I really wanted to step up and help make our church strong in every way in our conference and throughout the world. And so I ran to be a delegate and here I am for the fourth time in February. I've been blessed to know each of you. And uh, the reason you're here partly is for proximity, partly because I know each of you a wonderful servant of the Lord, but you also in your history have served in other parts of the state. You know, Kentucky, it's not just Louisville, you know, and you have a variety of experiences and jobs in the church. So I find that very helpful as we bring that perspective to this discussion. So I thank you again. Now, Many of the people listening to this will not have the familiarity with the Methodist Church or with our process. So some of the things I think we need to educate persons about to start with is just some basics. It may seem pretty rudimentary to you, but may be news to new people. What is a delegate to General Conference? Well, first General Conference is uh, essentially the legislative arm of the church. I've heard it said for a long time that... Um, Really, the only official body that speaks for United Methodism as a whole is General Conference. So General Conference is uh, made up of no more than a thousand delegates, literally from around the world, that uh, come together every four years to uh, do the work of the general church. Uh, Effectively, and it is among other things, but effectively to uh, consider the discipline Uh, any sort of uh, adjustments or amendments to the discipline, any sort of changes or additions to it. A delegate uh, is effectively uh, elected out of uh, his or her annual conference. There are an equal number of uh, lay and clergy delegates. And here in the Kentucky annual conference, we have uh, five lay delegates and uh, five clergy delegates. So those elections are held the year before at the conference before the the general conference. And uh, we submit names, give a brief bio, deal with uh, some issue that might be on our hearts, and then uh, persons uh, vote by ballot. What percentage takes uh, to be elected? Uh, uh, 50% 50 plus one vote uh, of those balloted. And uh, everybody, so if there are, five delegates to be uh, elected, everybody has to vote for five. So there can be any number of, um, of ballots that are taken. Uh, sometimes that can stretch on into 15, 20 ballots, if not even more. So not just for uh, general conference, but also for jurisdictional conference, which are another set of delegates that are added to the body of uh, general conference delegates that then go to jurisdictional conference and their primary responsibility then is uh, the election of, uh, of bishops uh, for, uh, for the church and, and in particular for that, uh, that jurisdiction. So, Gene, why did you want to be a delegate? <laughs> well, first let me say that when I put myself forward to be a delegate for the 2016 General Conference, I had no idea that this 2019 General Conference would be happening. It's sort of... Um, a bonus conference that none of us expected um, until we were at General Conference 2016. But to answer your question, 
I love the people of the Kentucky Annual Conference quite thoroughly, and I, I would like to serve them. I'd like to be a voice for them and represent them in the wider church. And it really is an honor to be able to serve the church and Jesus Christ and my brothers and sisters in that way. Linda, what about you? Why? Uh, when I, uh, some years ago, when I decided I want to, I wanted to, uh, try to be a delegate to general conference, uh, I truly, I was, the weight of the church was on my heart, uh, because of my love for the strength of our church and what we do to make disciples for Jesus Christ. And, uh, our general conference is a very important part of the United Methodist Church. And I felt that, that God would, uh, use me for the people of Kentucky and the people of the United States and the people of the world that call themselves United Methodists. Tom? For me, it's um, an opportunity to serve, uh, to be able to contribute to the church at a different level. Uh, Fundamentally, I uh, really resonate with local church ministry. Uh, so when uh, have the opportunity, and just as Jean had said, the honor to go to General Conference, it's, a, it's an opportunity for me to contribute to the, the ministry of the, of the church at a, at a broader level, at a worldwide level, uh, to, uh, to certainly to interact with persons from all around the world, to, uh, to be with persons of varied viewpoint. Uh, it's it's an opportunity to represent many things. One, our annual conference. Another, to uh, to champion the local church, even at that level. Uh, to uh, to to just um, be able to contribute and serve uh, in an, in another way. And uh, and I think um, well, not not everything uh, may translate directly into to every local church or into every ministry. I do think that the work of uh, General Conference does inform the, the church as a whole and, uh, in effect, becomes very important work. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very appreciative to be a part of that. Each of you was elected to represent the Kentucky Conference um, at the General Conference. But explain to our listeners what the responsibility is to the Kentucky Conference, specifically do you see yourself as representing the views of the Kentucky Conference when you vote, or were you elected to represent your own views? I think it's uh, it's kind of both. Uh, honestly, you're elected uh, out of the annual conference. You're representing the annual conference. Uh, persons uh, who have elected you uh, certainly know uh, who you are, uh, maybe in some of the things that... that uh, you stand for some of the stand, some of the things that uh, that that are a part of uh, your life and ministry. So there is a representation of the uh, uh, of the annual conference, and I'm personally very mindful of that. But uh, also go as as one who has prepared, who's prayed, uh, who uh, remains receptive to the the movement of God's spirit, even at the general conference. And, uh, and, and how that same spirit is, uh, has molded and shaped even in the, the conversations and in the issues that are presented. So I think there is a, a degree of representation, and I don't take that lightly, but also, um, also understand that God has formed and fashioned me individually. 
And so I guess if there is a is if there's a tilt in that sort of tension or dynamic, it, it, it in in the mix of it, it is uh, you know how God is is at work in, in in the moment, in the mix of the issues, in the mix of the conversation, in the flow of the of the general conference. So it's uh, it's not that uh, representation is 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 not a part of things. But uh, how God is is informing, in, at least in my, in, in my case personally, informing my life, and, and that has a lot to to do with how I vote, the discussions and dialogue that goes on. That's the way it is with me. When I we've been praying about this for three years, knowing that this conference is coming, the worldwide church has, and I know you all have been praying at two twenty three in the afternoon too, and at times during my thinking about this for the last three years without any knowledge about the reports that were coming out. I've, I've tried to say to God, I know I have individual feelings and I'm representing the people of Kentucky and the United Methodist church. Help me to blend this, but in the end, Lord, help me see what needs to be done for our church and our United Methodist to make disciples for Jesus Christ. Jane, what would you add to that? Yeah, I would agree with both what Linda and what Tom said. I I think the Holy Spirit works in this process sometimes despite ourselves, um, but I would have never put myself forward unless I thought it was something God was calling me to try and to do. Mm-hmm. And, and so I believe the Spirit worked there. And I have to believe that the Spirit worked in the process of voting. Um, I believe the Spirit is working as we prepare in the praying and the reading and the studying. And I believe the Spirit will guide and direct me when I am there um, through the voting process. I would say this. uh, Three years ago at General Conference, uh, I truly felt God was working amongst our General Mm -hmm. Conference for this session to be called and for the bishops, for us to ask the bishops to give us some leadership in forming the the, uh, connectional committee. Uh, You know, I know you get there and there are lots of people and there's lots of, it's kind of like Congress, but if you'll take a breath, Mm -hmm. you'll see and feel God Mm -hmm. in the final things. I really feel God wanted us to have this meeting in February. Right. I I remember there was chaos all around us. There were protesters. There were people getting angry, calls to stop and pray. All of this was going on. And I also remember feeling this incredible sense of peace in the midst of it, (laughs) that God's got this and, and we need to show up and listen. Conference is often heard as a a noun when people talk about it, but it really comes from the idea we're conferencing together, we're conferring together to discern God's Spirit, and that's a very holy process that I know you enter into. As I mentioned before, you're part of a delegation in five clergy and five lay plus alternates. Uh, Do they ever get together in conference, and if so, what do you talk about? Well, we do get together. Uh, there's a process leading up to a regular session of general conference. We meet regularly over a period of, of at least a year, uh, preparing uh, for conference. Uh, pers- persons who are delegates are assigned to uh, different legislative committees. Uh, they then become well-studied, uh, not only in the whole body of work, but particularly in regard to the uh, 
to the committee to which they're assigned. Uh, this special session is different in that the whole session is given over just to the to the issues surrounding human sexuality. We do get get together. Uh, there's opportunity for us to worship together, for us to uh, to get to know one another, uh, to to be able to uh, to share um, not only thoughts and feelings, but but even our our vulnerabilities. Um, we uh, we already have uh, have met once as a well twice as a delegation once uh, subsequently the other one a little bit more in an organizational uh, way and then we do plan to to meet a, a couple of other times leading up to to February I think all of those are well poised time wise to um, basically have as much if not all the information at least at hand. Uh, we, we're not meeting again until after the Judicial Council and the Council of Bishops meets so that we'll have a, a, a good idea of, of what is before us. We would figure by that time we'll have all the other petitions uh, that will surround uh, the, uh, the conference that have been submitted to the conference, not just those that uh, are related to the uh, commission on the, on the way forward. So we do meet. Uh, this time, and I'll just make this one other point, we effectively the delegation is the same. The conference affirmed that we would keep the delegation that we had voted uh, in for this uh, 2016 session. And uh, so we uh, we are ahead of the game in knowing one another and uh, and, in, and have already worked together. Uh, and so that's been been positive. So we're a little bit of a head start on uh, on that. In Kentucky's case, um, as you said, the delegation was elected again, the same persons. Is that true from around the country? Do you have any sense about how that worked out? There were a couple delegations that... Two conferences. Right, that that chose to re-elect delegates, but just a couple. Strictly speaking, we didn't have another election. It was just an affirmation that we would keep uh, the same delegation. In Kentucky, yes. In Kentucky, in Kentucky, yeah. Uh, so for the most part, the same persons who attended 2016 will be attending 2019. Mm-hmm. That's right. Anything else about um, that you believe our listeners should understand about the role and responsibility of a delegate? Well, have we mentioned the number of delegates? Am, am I correct in that there are 24 altogether of us? Well, to go to general, yeah. general and jurisdictional conference? Well, there would be 20, and then we would have uh, a set of two uh, alternates, two right. lay. Right, right. So a total of so, 24 of yeah. us. So mm-hmm. There'll be 10 voting at general conference. Yeah. And then there'll be two alternates, lay uh, and then two clergy that will also attend uh, to sit in if the if the need should arise. So there'll be, uh, I guess, 14 of us that'll be there with the opportunity to, uh, to sit depending on how things may work out for the alternates. But 10, we have five lay, five uh, clergy to sit at at, uh, at one time. All right, let me shift gears. And I know we touched on this uh, by default here, but what is a uh, this thing called a general conference? And Tom, you started that, but uh, there's a difference between a general conference and a special called session. What's the purpose of the general conference uh, in lay people's terms? Lay person? <laughs> um, a, a general conference, as Tom said, there, there are lots of subjects, financial, social issues, all types of issues. So we have 12 committees, I believe, 
at a regular general conference, and I was on the Social 2 committee, and there were uh, 100 members on my committee. The first week at general conference, we met. We worked all day into the night, sometimes from after our worship in the morning, from 10 in the morning till 9 or 10 at night or later. Uh, we worked hard that week, and there are, lo- there are hundreds of resolutions that come into the regular general conference. And so they're sorted into committees, and then the committees work and study each resolution and bundle the ones that you know, are really alike. And then the committee decides whether they go to the floor or not, or they'll make a bundle and they will go to the floor. Uh, and, and much of that work is is what's on a consent calendar. We do the much, much the same thing mm-hmm. at our own annual conference, but not quite as formal. But there is uh, every morning uh, that after the committees have had a, a, a day or two to, to, to work, uh, there'll be a, a, a consent calendar where those uh, changes, amendments, additions to the Book of Discipline are basically just affirmed, and they become a part of the of the body of the of the um, Book of Discipline. There are those things that are lifted out for varied reasons that the then vote. become a matter of discussion, debate, and actual vote on in the plenary sessions of the uh, General Conference. Effectively, the uh, committees meet the first week. Of general conference, so we would we would meet in plenary for worship, maybe some setting of rules of the annual conference, which sometimes can be very cumbersome, and then then we break break up into our committees, and we as a delegation may not see one another again until the next morning. Honestly, everybody's on somewhat of a different schedule. Some may work way into the night; uh, others may uh, get out at a, a little bit uh, a little bit more reasonable hour. So that's the first week. And then the, the second week is, is uh, pretty much filled with worship, which is always rich, and then a plenary session where those things that have been lifted off of the consent calendar are then um, considered, debated, and, and, uh, and, and voted uh, up or down, amended, so forth. As a layperson, the first time I went, I thought, well, there won't be much lifted onto the floor, you know, from, from our committees, et cetera. I was shocked. There's a lot of work done the second week on the floor. And uh, this time, we'll, we'll just have plenary. We have one subject and, and, um, to, to decide. So it, it, it'll be different in, in uh, February. I, I would add that um, for the governing, the leadership of the United Methodist Church, we are structured very similarly for good or bad, to the United States government Correct. in that there are three branches. There's the um, executive branch, and we would say that's the Council of Bishops. There's the judicial branch, and that's the Judicial Council. And the the, the um, legislative branch would be the General Conference. And as Tom said, that branch is the only branch that can speak for the whole church. So that's the importance of General Conference, that, that it's the group— uh, chosen to to write the legislation for the United Methodist Church. And it's equal with lay and ministers. Mm-hmm. And we're even seated at General Conference for a reason, in a unique way. It's a clergy, lay, clergy, lay, clergy, lay, even where we're, where we're seated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, a serious experience, and it's a godly experience. An interesting twist in... Uh 
in this special session is that uh, the General Conference had called on the Council of Bishops, our executive branch, if you will, to lead us. You know, I remember that was the call. Mm -hmm. And so there's this interesting uh, mix, uh, this, this sort of intersect, if you will, between executive and legislative. In fact, the Judicial Council, <laughs> the Judicial, uh, had said, well, really the Council of Bishops cannot bring this legislation to the General Conference. So hence the commission were, was the group that, that uh, strictly speaking, brought this, before, is bringing this before uh, General Conference. And I will also say that uh, while the Judicial Council uh, has, has always met at the site of, of General Conference and has had work to do, I've, I've found that that work has increased. In fact, the General, the General Conference will often send to the Judicial Council, again, meeting there at the site of conference, to consider the constitutional uh, ramifications of what is being either considered or passed. Um, and, and it's helpful to do that because there have been times, even in the restructure of our church in Tampa, you know, then the Judicial Council meets and kind of says, eh, not going not gonna to fly. And so the work just kind of goes. So it's good that everybody's there. Um, effectively, the bishops call together the committees and then step aside and stay other than leading worship they, and, and also leading as presiding uh, elders, if you will, uh, in over the conference. Uh, and they, they have their own processes for that. They're, they're kind of up front and uh, uh, kind of figure heads, if you will. They but, have no vote and no they vote. have no, they can't make really, really no serious votes. suggestions. Yeah. They mm -hmm. just Robert's rules of order. But this is a curious one uh, in that uh, already Judicial Council has been asked to consider the work of the commission. The Judicial Council has said, bishops, uh, you cannot send this forward to, to the General Conference. It's got to be, uh, you know, from, from the General Conference. So, you know, it's, it's been an interesting time. But I think I'm thankful that the Judicial Council has weighed in on this to, to, so that our processes are right. So, Gene, you work closely with the Council of Bishops, and you're maybe more aware of um, the worldwide church than anybody in this room. How many people are actually present uh, from the world, this general, uh, general conference, and where are they from? Uh, so, in 2016, there were 864 delegates, and 41% and of those delegates were from outside the United States. Yeah. Uh, and that would be our, our United Methodists in Africa, the Philippines, and Europe, predominantly. Um, and then the rest of the delegates come from inside the United States, the five jurisdictions. So you have the delegates, which in 16 were 864, and that number will be the same in 2019. But then... The, the Commission on the General Conference has also decided that visitors and guests can also be present. So, in effect, there will be thousands of people there uh, sharing their opinion, setting up um, stands, handing out literature, suggesting how delegates should vote, um, but the actual voting delegates— 864. And I should say that 10 of those 864 are our concordat partners. So we do give voice and vote to the churches with whom we have the closest relationship. So um, 
the Methodist Church in Great Britain will send four delegates. Uh, the Methodist Church in Mexico will send two. The Methodist Church in Puerto Rico will send two. And the Methodist Church in the Caribbean and the Americas will send two delegates with voice and vote. And they're included in that, that full number of delegates. I remember distinctly from my first general conference that met in Denver uh, oh. 24 years ago, there were 13% of the delegates were from outside the United States. And so now um, that, that number has just increased because of the growth of the church worldwide and also, uh, to some effect, the, the decline in membership in the United States. So those numbers are, are ever shuffling. And, and they'll do it again in 2020. Right. Those numbers just came out for 2020. There will be 862 delegates and 44% will come from outside the United States. So just in that four years, there's a 3% increase yeah. from outside the United States. So we're seeing a shift in who comes uh, from the United States uh, to around the world. Uh, you, you used a word, I know you know what it means, but concordat. Explain to our listeners what a concordat relationship or concordat church is. Um, those four churches in 1968 were the churches that um, had very close relationship when, when the United Methodist Church was born. In other words, they were a part of the Methodist family and um, decided not to become United Methodist, or, or weren't that was never a question, maybe, in, in the case of the Methodist Church in Great Britain. But, but we share common heritage, and, and so we have a special concordat relationship with them. And in effect, um, that means we share delegates to each other's conferences. There are other relationships we have with other Methodist churches around the world that are autonomous or affiliate autonomous relationships. And those are churches that we also have a close relationship, but we don't share delegates with them. They're part of our family and our tribe, even if they don't have a legal relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. You work closely with the Council of Bishops. Anything else about the role of bishops in the General Conference you want to add to what's been said? I think Linda said it. I think they they will be the presiders of the general conference. They will sit up front and they will uh, kind of direct the conversation via Robert's Rules of Order, but they do not have voice or vote unless they are asked for their voice, uh, it, which was the case in, at the general conference 2016 when the, dele the delegates just said, please help us. Thank you for joining us. In our next episode, we will talk in some depth about the purpose of the special session in 2019 and what the delegates are doing to prepare. Check the notes for this podcast for more links to more information. See you next time.